You got a question coming up, Molly, this okay. morning, okay? Is it Dick Lawyer? It's not Dick Lawyer, no. Oh, Friday, December 14th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Molly Quell, Dutch News contributing editor and cookie dough aficionado, and with me today is Gordon Derrick, my fellow contributing editor at Dutch News and Brexit aficionado, and Paul Paters, studying, driving, and World War One aficionado. But I not got... cycling aficionado anymore. No. No, not anymore, no. Why can't you cycle, Paul? Well, when I woke up on Thursday, I went downstairs and I uh, wanted to grab my bike because I had to go to the university. And as well as a dozen or so other students had to because, well, we go to university. university. Mm -hmm. So we unlocked our bike and we uh, wanted to jump on our bikes. And all of us, a dozen or so people, at the same time found out that we had a flat tire, which was a bit suspicious. Yes. So I uh, checked my bike and it turned out that there was someone cut a hole in the in the tire. And well, there are 150 or so bikes parked outside my building and uh, all of the tires were cut. Wow. So, so mm. someone overnight, a very passionate person, person yes. cut all our bikes. And not just the rear tire, which is easily accessible, but the front tire. So there was That's, some... Mm. This is so it was crazy a real to me. Yeah. Cream that involves yeah. some planning. So yeah. Yeah. this is now a whodunit yeah. in your block it of is. flats. Yeah. yeah, and there are some, who some slashed suspects. The who slashed it? Yeah, who the, slashed there it? Are some, <laughs> there are some suspects. Yeah. Uh, one of them is uh, Molly Quell. Of course. Because mm -hmm. she wanted to cut my bike, but uh, yeah, she didn't know which bike was mine, so she mm. just cut all or of them. Or she just wanted to cover her tracks by slashing lots of bikes. So Rather than just like waiting until your bike was parked somewhere <laughs> easily accessible. That would have made it obvious. When I would yeah. know, I mean... I it is just, the perfect there's crime, There's a high Molly. school mm. right next to my house. I could have just been like, I'm sorry, Paul, that only your bike tire got slashed while in front of my house. But, you know, it was probably those damn kids. Yes, and another suspect is a guy, because they are replacing the sewage uh, system in front of my house, so the, the street is open and you have to cycle uh, over the pedestrian path if you want to, to get near my building. And there is one guy who is standing at the corner yelling at everybody who is cycling there. So we suspect him for being so fed up with everybody mm. cycling over the pedestrian path that at one night he just it, something just snapped and he mm -hmm. thought, let's just uh, destroy all the yeah. bikes there. Although, yeah. as you pointed out, this was done on the last day of the works, so yeah. that sort of does make sense. Yeah. On the other hand, maybe he decided he wanted to actually spend the whole time maximize the fun he had yelling at people, and then when it was all over, then he'd go and slash your tires. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so, or he so, didn't so, know the works were why ending. Do, why do you have so? Why do you understand his psychology so well? I don't. Gordon? I don't know. Yeah. It, why is what? Gordon not a suspect, Paul? He uh, hates you just as much as I do. <laughs> Yeah, if you, if I look at his uh, Christmas jumper, then yeah, I think he hates us all. Oh, Gordon, um, why did you wear the stupid Christmas jumper? Deliberate to spite you, as uh, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, yeah, and, and instead of slashing your bike tires, I yeah, appreciate yeah. that. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I would have preferred that too. And uh, there was also another suspect because um, all of a sudden, all these bike repair shops in Delft were giving discounts on replacing tires. So yeah, maybe it was them. Uh, maybe it was them, and it just needed a boost. I don't know in the number of clients they have. But your actual job title this week is World War One aficionado, and so could you perhaps explain? I don't know what this is referring to. We had a huge argument about when World War One started. No, we had no argument about when World War Two started. 
Yeah, World War II. <laughs> I should say World War II. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, we, we were discussing when World War II started because there was a... Uh, someone found out that the number of ophefers mentioned in Dutch newspapers was increasing towards World War II, and then there was a sudden drop after World War II, and now it's... No, during... Well, after the start of during, so during the, the war. During yeah. the war, there was a big uh, decrease, and yeah. now it is gradually yeah. increasing again, so that might be... So we're basically the ophef indicators is that we're heading back for a World War. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or alternatively, just the Ophef was rationed during World War Two, or the Germans took it all out of the country. <laughs> yeah, and you could ask them on, on, on the Poland, bikes. or yes. what, what did yeah. they do? They made it pay for its own train tickets, also <laughs> when it was. Yeah. Speaking of Ophef, our first uh, podcast of next year, because this is our last one of this year, uh, we are going to discuss our favorite Ophefs, and we are going to ask uh, our listeners to tell us what they thought their favorite Ophefs were. So you'll yeah. be able to find yeah. it on. Could be anything we discussed, or could be something else. Yeah, Just let us know. Else. Yeah, you've got free hand to pick any Ophef you like, and yeah. perhaps we'll put some candidates up on Twitter over yeah. the next couple of weeks yeah. of our favorite Ophefs. Yes. And then you can vote on which one you like best. Yes. Yeah. How's Brexit going, Gordon? Yeah, we're going to get onto that uh, terribly. Terribly. Yeah. It's, uh, it's real bad. Been, it Are is. you going to mention the crazy scepter gold thing that happened in British Parliament? Or because that's not exactly... <laughs> the guy grabbing the mace? Well, that, yeah. that, that's not the first time that's happened. But, <laughs> no, um, there was several yeah. incidents, yeah. British politics is so weird. And I, have to, I have to say, someone grabbed the mace and I thought, well, let's just uh, look up on Wikipedia what a mace is. <laughs> and two minutes after that happened, someone uh, already updated the Wikipedia page that this was an incident. So yes, yeah. all these people that are updating Wikipedia... I think there are really... people who have like cut-and-paste text ready for when somebody grabs a mace. <laughs> yeah. It's happening with increasing <laughs> frequency. Mace-related, <laughs> race-related <laughs> happenings. And what about you, Molly? What's the story with the cookie dough? Well, the uh, CDC, the like Centers for Disease Control in the U.S., came out with this big thing this week trying to discourage people from eating raw cookie dough. And I think raw cookie dough is the best part of making cookies. <laughs> and so I was tweeting that they can take the raw cookie dough out of my cold, dead, E. coli infested hands. Unbaked hands. And yeah. it turned into a, a discussion about whether or not I was living life too on the edge. Well, what if you made a cookie dough out of chlorinated chicken? Would that be all right? Uh, I'm sure that would be fine. Yeah. I mean, at least in the Netherlands, it would be fine. So, Paul, what is our Ophef of the week? This week it's about Nasdien Dachar. I hope I pronounced his name correctly. Mm -hmm. He is a Gouden Kalf winning actor of Moroccan descent. And he posted a picture of himself next to a Christmas tree wearing a jalaba. Hang on just a second. Was it him or the Christmas tree? That was wearing <laughs> <a jalaba? laughs> it was him. Both. It would have been fun if it, if it were both, yeah. Someone should Photoshop that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, this caused quite a lot of his uh, Muslim followers were offended by this because they were pointing out that, according to Islam, it's forbidden for Muslims to celebrate other religious holidays. Uh, the photo soon also came to the attention of the alt-right part of the internet, who in turn were also offended by the fact that Muslims celebrate Christmas. Dakar uh, responded to the Ophef saying that to him Christmas is all about being together, happily, peacefully, and for him it has nothing to do with uh, religion. Mm, no, this is a very Christmassy Ophef, isn't it? Rage on Earth and uh, Ophef to all men. Yes, Wait, yeah. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm confused about a few things. How does having a Christmas tree in a picture that you are in indicate an endorsement of the religion? Like, do people who are unable to celebrate other religions just not take photos outside in the winter in the Netherlands? Because there's like Christmas lights everywhere. I don't know. Yeah. Pr and Christmas tree doesn't have anything to do with Christianity. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, it's a pagan, it's a pagan tradition. tradition. Bringing a well, tree maybe that's what they're upset about, right? Like celebrating. Speaking paganism. of pagan traditions, Gordon, what yeah. are you wearing? <laughs> I have my Christmas jumper on, which is not <laughs> a pagan, which I think is more of a heathen than a pagan. It's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> we, we're, we're it is a sorry. great British Christmas tradition yeah. that uh, will probably be banned next year. Pro probably. So this is the last <laughs> or maybe time. they'll no, my, my not be able to my, negotiate my, a decent Brexit yeah, deal. I'm fully expecting my jumper to be repatriated by force next March. And there was more. 
Christmas-related uh, ophef, because yeah. Albert Heijn is selling a faced stolle instead of kerst stolle. Oh boy. So they are replacing the word mm. Christmas for holidays, yeah. and people think that this is a war on Christmas. But they've literally had they literally have this argument every, every single year. year for about the last 30 years. I, yeah. think I, saw, had, I saw We Christmas had this cards. discussion about yeah. this ophef last year on yes. this podcast. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that was also... A, it, it's recurring ophef, but yeah. Mark Ritter, nonetheless. Yeah, Mark Ritter weighed in on this, didn't he, two years ago, saying that uh, he was offended, he was upset that there were Christmas cards saying Pretica Feestdagen, but I remember seeing cards like that 30 years ago. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But yeah. this is like what people <laughs> People also like say to each other as like yeah. their Christmas Happy holidays. Are you yeah. not? Oh, what do Dutch people are Dutch people not aware of what like Dutch people do? <laughs> uh, hang on, I have another Alphef question. Okay. So why is the alt right upset that a guy who is Muslim, who in theory they hate because they don't like Islam, uh, is like I don't know taking a step towards endorsing or embracing Christianity. I mean, wouldn't that be like what they want? Like for him to like deconvert, for, for him to, yeah. There is, a, there is a simple answer to this. Yeah. Uh, they hate it because he's Muslim. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's basically it. Right. Yeah, I can't wait till these people find out that Jesus is, is seen as a prophet in Islam and is mentioned in the Quran. Yeah. Or that he's like a Middle Eastern refugee. Mm. I mean, yeah. no, no one tells them this. <laughs> This week, we'll tell you about one awkward breakfast, update you on a Buddha, some stints, and ocean plastic, and in our discussion, we're going to ruin the rest of your weekend by getting the crowd vat jingle stuck in your head. Prime Minister Mark Rutte had a special guest for breakfast on Monday morning, British Prime Minister Theresa May. After being told by European leaders that there was no room to renegotiate the Brexit deal, May travelled to The Hague, Berlin and Brussels, using her freedom of movement as an EU citizen, (laughs) to ask leaders if she could renegotiate the deal. It all went so well that on her return on Tuesday, she faced a no-confidence vote from her party's MPs. She survived the vote by a 63% margin, which some pro-Brexit members say isn't enough, but only after she promised to resign as Prime Minister before the next general election in 2022. Theresa May then returned to Brussels to try once again to reopen the negotiations, even though Donald Tusk and Angela Merkel both said this week that the deal was non-negotiable, having been signed by 27 countries. And Europe has some other pressing issues right now, like the protests in France and the fact that Belgium has no government again. (laughs) Again? Yeah. Well, they have been uh, without a government once for almost 600 days. Yeah, they they beat Iraq's record. But you know what's funny about Belgium not having a government? This was like during the recession and Belgium Mm. had the best like GDP growth during this time, basically Because like nobody was doing anything, and yeah. they were just like letting things just like, exactly. Go its economy along. actually did better because politicians weren't involved in exactly. running the economy. It's crazy, huh? Yeah. Uh, Rutte repeated on Thursday there was no chance of reopening the Brexit deal because of the quote red lines that had been set down by the UK government, and he also, in comments reserved for the Dutch media, said quote If anyone still thinks Nexit is a good idea, take a look at Britain and the damage being caused there. Whoa! He wasn't staring at Thierry Baudet at all. At the <laughs> <laughs> so, so he walked in front of Thierry Baudet's desk and just like <laughs> stared at him while he said this sentence. Hang on. The most important question. Did they have hagelslag for breakfast? No, Theresa May is a uh, pindakaas aficionado. Oh. So they had probably had pindakaas for breakfast. And if there is a hard Brexit or a no-deal scenario, then she couldn't get pindakaas yeah. uh, in Britain anymore because it's imported from the Netherlands. Yes, because it's made by Unilever. Yes. Do you think things. that she took back like a suitcase full of peanut butter? I think so, yeah. That's why she went to the Netherlands. This is why she wanted to come to the Netherlands. She was securing her, her pindakaas stock. But yeah. uh, how does this 1922 committee procedure work? And why is it called 1922? committee procedure 
1922 committee is a committee of backbench Conservative MPs, which, as I vaguely remember from my history lessons, was set up in 1922, and it was all to do with um, uh, Lloyd George and uh, the, the, the internal tensions within the... Was uh, he a Conservative? He was a Liberal uh, MP, actually, oh. but he signed a pact with the Conservative Party, oh, yeah, okay. and I think it, it was around to do with that, but I have to go back to the history books to get the exact details. But, yeah, um, and no one really knows how this procedure works. Only three people in the world understand how Tory leaders are chosen. They're never allowed to travel on the same plane, and I'm not one of them. No, but it involves writing letters. 48 Conservative MPs had to write a letter to the chairman of the 1922 committee in order to trigger this process okay. of a leadership contest. Did so you, it's a very analogue process. Did basically. anyone see this absurd thread on Twitter about how British elections work and it has a lot to do with like pigs and truffles yes, and going yeah. into the woods and stuff? It was very good. I thought made a lot more sense than, than the actual process. Than the actual <laughs> process, yeah. So, um, Gordon, are there photos of this breakfast? There were official photos of uh, Margaret oh and Theresa May sitting on a sofa together in incredibly awkward poses, <laughs> about as far apart as they you possibly can yeah, be while I, you're on the same piece of furniture. I thought Leaf and Remain were far apart, <laughs> but, but they. Uh, yeah, but, but if you take a photo of two people sitting next to each other on a couch, then it's bound to be awkward, even though it, if it's not an awkward situation, then yeah. still it looks awkward. So yeah. they should have just sit around a table yeah. or next to each other, yeah. or just not on a couch. Well, exactly. Well, what they usually do is that when they're in um, the cut house or somewhere, is they have two separate armchairs and they sit facing each yeah. other, yeah. which looks much more natural. But yeah. for some reason, they were one. And also, the sofa looked like one of those kind of sofas that you see on Sofa 24. Dot an L at 50% discount. <laughs> okay. I don't know which yeah. which web pages yeah. you visit, but yeah. apparently yeah. Sofa <laughs> Sleepboards, I don't know. It looked like a very deep sofa, which are always like very awkward yeah. to sit on. Yeah, it was right? an awkward yeah. height to sit on, wasn't yeah. it? It wasn't quite right. And then there, were, there was one where Ruth was shaking hands and sort of trying to sort of lean sideways to look into the camera at the same time as he shook May's hand while he was about three feet away from her. And it was just all, yeah, there was all kinds yeah. of weird angles. Yeah, and as they were approaching the uh, the door of the Cots house, uh, Rutte pointed at the, at the door and said, there's no number 10 here, which was a joke because the Cots house address is 10 Adrian Koukoplan, but I don't think Theresa May got the joke. No, no, no it went way over her head, as so, so much of Brexit has. Along with Brexit. <laughs> Speaking of people that... Yeah. Uh, but but um, the thing I want to know, talking going back to the breakfast, is did you get to serve Senseo? Because that to me would have been a subliminal <laughs> message. Like, it was yeah, a we don't like you anymore. <laughs> I mean, you can't have possibly made, you know, the relations between the UK and the Netherlands like You worse. could have served Senseo. Uh, yeah. I don't know, I mean, what you know. So, and uh, what uh, has Steph Blocker to do with everything? Uh, yeah, Steph Blocks uh, got involved. He's managed to cause some WAPEF as well because he introduced this emergency powers bill. Because he talked, right? This is about, like, <laughs> yeah, he what? opened his mouth. Yeah. He's got this idea to uh, allow basically all government authorities to to bring in emergency powers to stop everything grinding to a halt if there's a no-deal Brexit and there's, absolutely, there's basically no arrangements with the UK to make sure that trade between the UK and Netherlands doesn't just stop. But MPs said the legislation would give ministers far too wide powers to change the law without running it past Parliament or the Council of State first. Groenlinks leader Jesse Klaver said legislation was, quote, more appropriate to a dictatorship than a democracy. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in a dictatorship run by Steph Block. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there any politician on the, on the whose dictatorship you want to live, Molly? I mean, can do I count as a politician? No. No. Oh. Then no. But Block said... That's the, not true. Uh, uh, uh... Arib. 
Arib. Yeah. I would live under her dictatorship. Yes. That seems like it would be fun. Well, what about Fred Tafen? Would you live in a Fred Tafen dictatorship? Uh, yeah, I think the, so. The would you, would run on time. He would, he would yeah. cut yeah. deals all the time and he would just give me money. Going back to Bloch's bill, Christian Democrat MP Peter Omsich said it had fewer guarantees in calling for a state of emergency. Bloch has said that the emergency powers are necessary because Brexit is a completely new situation and he's promised to consult MPs on the bill in January. Yeah, but it's basically a state of emergency plus, right? Because mm. all the, the powers that are granted to the government in this scenario, that it's just uh, outlandish. It's, you can just do what it likes, basically. Yeah. Whatever, if a government, or not even the government, but like a local council decides it needs to do a certain thing uh, and it can use Brexit as a cover, then it can do it, effectively. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you executing all these children? Brexit. <laughs> The electric wagons known as stints are not safe enough to be used on the public roads, according to TNO Research Institute in a new report on the wagons, which were used by hundreds of daycare centers to ferry children. The institute was commissioned to look into the safety of stints by Transport Minister Cora van Nieuwenhuizen following a fatal crash in which a wagon plowed into a train, killing four children in September. TNO says the wagons can only be allowed back onto the roads after modifications have been carried out to the braking systems. After the crash, Van Nieuwenhuizen immediately banned the wagons and in a news conference on Thursday, she said she realizes this has caused problems for users, but added that safety has priority. So were there any doubts about the stint safety when it was first uh, introduced on the road? Yes, there were. Uh, the stints were introduced in 2011 via legislation for special scooters, as it was called. Uh, this was a new category of road transportation introduced to over segways. Uh, MPs and ministers were keen to encourage new forms of transports. Extra safety measures were not introduced uh, in an effort to encourage uh, innovation. So mm. they, um, yeah, they preferred the uh, innovation yeah. over the safety. Yeah. Two road safety organizations checked the stints in 2011 and both of them doubted their safety. Uh, nevertheless, objections were set aside and they were allowed on the roads. Yeah, in September, when the new, when we when we heard the news of this uh, tragic uh, accident, we all thought, we all assumed that these these vehicles would be safe. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of assumed that they'd been checked out and uh, passed and approved uh, for use on the roads, but it now turns out that was a very yeah flimsy process. Yeah, and apparently it never really happened thoroughly. They never mm. thoroughly checked the safety of these things. And, well, whenever they're allowed on the roads, the public, I, you, me, everybody assumes, also uh, MPs, everybody assumes that, that they are very safe. And now we hear that uh, they, they were never checked on their safety. But, I mean, a stint is a very, it's not a, not a very technical, uh, technically complicated vehicle. It's a very straightforward thing. But, but what does this say about much more complex uh, uh, vehicles, mm. for example? What does this say about car safety or whatever? If they're not even capable of, 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 of checking uh, the safety of these stints, it's, it's really, really worrying. Yeah, and meanwhile, the government is trying to get road deaths down to zero by 2030. Yeah. Do right. they include stints in those? Uh, in those At least all, <laughs> yeah, well, they include bikes, so yes, yeah. I would say so. Patriarch is alive and well in the Netherlands, according to the Dutch Statistics Office, CBS. They released a report this week which found 16% of girls move up an education level compared to only 10% of boys. In the Dutch education system, students are assessed around the age of 12 as to what education track they should pursue in high school. This is decided based on a national exam as well as input from teachers. Students can later change tracks if they are in one that doesn't suit their needs. Girls, according to CBS, are more likely to move up into a more difficult track than their male counterparts and are less likely to move down 
14% of boys compared to only 9% of girls adjust downward. And did the research uh, uh, give any clues as to why this happens? Other than the fact that girls are far superior in every way, shape, and form <laughs> to boys. Uh, they have a few theories. One is, is that in terms of neuropsychological development, girls develop faster than boys. Otherwise, much of it is attributed to teachers and parents kind of underestimating the academic potential of girls and overestimating the academic potential of boys. Mm. Was there anything in the report that uh, suggested that maybe this stratified system is completely out- outdated and should be overhauled altogether? Uh, no, but there has been in my discussion of it, mainly that like this is an idiotic system and I can't believe we're still doing this in 2018. That's not to add. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's got a mouthful of, brief, mouthful of milk brought here. If that, does, if that doesn't sort of demonstrate exactly this point, I don't know what else does. Sports news and Ajax had to settle for second place in their Champions League group after a barnstorming match in the Amsterdam Arena on Wednesday. Six goals, two penalties, two red cards and a 95th minute equaliser uh, weren't enough to knock Bayern Munich off top spot and actually didn't change anything at all. It was kind of the footballing equivalent of the Brexit negotiations. And that means Ajax will meet one of Europe's big hitters when the draw is made on the 17th of December on Monday and potential opponents include Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester City and Juventus. Fun. Yeah. Meanwhile, PSV, who played on Tuesday night, looked as if they might score their first win in this year's competition when Herving Lozano put them 1-0 up in Milan against Internazionale, but they were picked back later on to one all. But that prompted an outpouring of joy among fans of Tottenham Hotspur, who therefore qualified for the group stage at the expense of Inter. At least one Spurs fan promised to get a Lozano tattoo in the goalscorer's honour. Several pledged to buy PSV shirts for Christmas, and one said he'd call his first child PSV, <laughs> although by Dutch standards, that's actually, actually quite a sensible name. So, uh, did anyone win anything this week? Um, uh, yes, for that we have to turn to the World Short Course Swimming Championships, where the Dutch women uh, have been in uh, sizzling form. Uh, Renomi Krummerwijoyu and Famke Heemskerk took gold and silver in the 100 metres freestyle on Tuesday, and then two hours later they collected another silver medal in the mixed medley relay. So well done to them. Further proving that girls are better than boys. So I heard the Tour de France is heading back to the Netherlands. Yes, well, um, uh, after Rotterdam successfully hosted Le Grand Départ in 2010 and Utrecht followed in 2015, The Hague now is bidding to start the race in 2020 uh, because the city's been chosen as European city of sport that year. Um, city alderman Richard de Moss said it would, quote, put The Hague on the map, although I'm not quite sure why you need to do that, given that detailed maps of The Hague are already available as far away as Moscow. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And The Hague is already on the map. Yes, uh, but and quite well known for things like, you know, the International Criminal Court. But, um, yeah, uh, Utrecht will be hosting the Fuelta. A group of Chinese villagers who had gone to court in the Netherlands in their battle to prove they are the rightful owners of a golden Buddha have been told by the judge their case is inadmissible. The court said that the committees from the villages of Tangchun and Dongpu are not legal entities and so cannot take legal proceedings. The court did not rule on the ownership of the Buddha, which contains the mummified body of a monk. The villagers say the 1.2 meter high Buddha was stolen from them 22 years ago. Oscar van Overeem, said to be the owner of the statue, told the court earlier this year that he no longer owns it and that he does not know the identity of its new owner. Van Overeem claimed he swapped the Buddha with another collector in a paper-free deal because he was fed up with the legal wrangle surrounding it. Questions about the thousand-year-old Buddha's ownership arose when it was the star item in a show at the Hungarian National History Museum in Budapest in 2015. Pictures of the Buddha were shown on a Chinese news program, leading villagers in Yangchung to claim it had been stolen from their temple in 1995. The statue contains the mummified body of a monk, who the villagers claim is local man Zhangong Zhuji, but from Overeem disputes their claims, saying the Buddha he owned didn't have a hole in its left hand or signs of a break on the neck, which uh, the, the statue from China had. 
So the reason that this has all gotten thrown out is because they're not a company or they're not. They're a... not a person. Yeah, they're legal. They're not a legal entity. Huh. Yeah. I... I wonder if the monastery could sue then, right? Because it was stolen from a monastery. So if. They but could... I'm not sure if a Chinese monastery or a Chinese legal entity can sue anybody in the Netherlands. I'm not sure if that actually works that yeah. way. But maybe they should found a stichting in the Netherlands mm. and yeah. then the stichting then, can... Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, could, they could set up a letterbox company. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the letterbox company with Chinese monastery, yeah. You know, if, if the entirety if, of after, if, the if, UK if, economy if, can have one of these. If Bono can do it, why can't they? Why can't exactly. They? Yeah, that's our advice to them. Mm. TU Delft dropout and Ocean Plastics whiz kid Boyan Slat faced a setback this week with his plastics catcher. His company, The Ocean Cleanup, raised $2 million on Kickstarter, the largest at the time, to fund his dream of removing plastic from the ocean. The device currently being tested in the Pacific Ocean has run into trouble. The 600-meter tube with attached skirt is not moving fast enough in the ocean to actually capture the plastic waste. However, on Twitter, Slat has said that the problems are fixable and that his team is working on making the necessary changes. So who among us is surprised that uh, Slat's device is not the power in the middle that he claimed it was? Not me. You don't really like him, uh, do you, Molly? (laughs) I mean, so I feel um, uh, somewhat responsible for him because he... (laughs) He launched this whole idea at TEDx, Delft, and I was one of the people that picked his him to be on stage. Uh-huh. And then his TEDx talk went viral, and then he kickstarted all this money. So, so you are it's me okay. to blame. But, right. you, but you didn't like him, or do you? I don't, it's not that, I mean, he's a perfectly nice guy. I just think that, like, there's a lot of... There's a, you know, there's this, like, sort of weird push among, like, kind of tech bro-y kind of people to be like we have created a technical solution that is the end-all be-all you know deliver us from evil whatever it is that's also the reason why you don't like elon musk too yeah i was just about to go on and ask if you were also responsible for elon, for elon musk. musk i'm yeah. not responsible for Thank him goodness. i will not take that but are, are there any I, other monsters you are responsible for cherry book are you responsible did you take the photo of him on the on the piano i can neither confirm nor deny that <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, Boyan Slat was like a very nice guy when I interacted with him. It's not that I think that he's like a malicious person or something, but, you know, there was a lot of pushback from ocean experts about this project when it started. They had said that these specific ways in which it is failing were specific ways in which it was going to fail. And Mm. that, you know, if we had taken all the money that he has raised over the years, something like 40 million euros and dumped that into like... I don't know. The ocean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just into the ocean. It's just like paying everyone to go out and pick up some plastic off the beach. We probably would have a lot less effect. plastic in the ocean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It does seem to have been presented as this kind of miracle cure. That's yeah. amazing. Boiling slats sorted out the plastic soup now, so we don't have to worry to about worry it. To worry about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah th- I have a long-standing like, problem with these sorts of things where mm. there are, I mean, experts in the fields who have solutions for this stuff, but the solutions aren't like bright and shiny, right? Yeah. The solutions are like... They're not as clean and cut and sort of not- yeah. neatly packaged. Yeah. yeah, like you have to use They've less plastic. Yeah. yeah, and you have Maybe to legislate in, in plastic. Or? Yeah, so I, you know, I hope I hope it works. Like it would be great if this thing worked and like it could clean up all the plastic in the ocean. I'm just kind of skeptical. We'll be discussing the lexicon of Dutch advertising after this word from our sponsors. For over 30 years, Excess has been helping internationals settle in the Netherlands. Access is staffed by an all-volunteer team, themselves internationals, who know firsthand what the challenges are with settling in a new country. They can answer your questions or guide you to the right resources, and they also offer an on-call counseling service. You can find out more information about Access on their website, 
www.access-nl.org by contacting the help desk at helpdesk at access-nl.org or by dropping into one of their expat centers in The Hague, Utrecht, Amsterdam and Leiden. Molly, uh, what exactly are we listening to now? Well, anyone who has lived in the other the Netherlands has has heard that sound before. It's the infamous Hema jingle. It's featured in their ads and, more infectiously, in their stores. It's a real earworm, but that's not the only famous ad in the Netherlands. I wrote a roundup this week about 12 Dutch ads you should know, the ones that are like real cultural touchstones. And honestly, we're just tired of talking about Brexit, so we're going to talk about this <laughs> instead. <Yeah>. I totally <laughs> endorse that. So, Paul, you have seen my article. I read it carefully. Yeah. Um, And you're a resident duchy. So what do you think about my list of the 12? Do you think I I captured the big ones? Yeah, I think you you captured them all. You should should have included all 150 or so um, Central Beheer Achmea ads, but you just picked one of them. I did just pick one of them. You are referring to, of course, the insurance company, the sort of uh, infamous Dutch insurance company that launched these kinds of... uh, uh, this series of ads in which something bad is about to happen that mm. you are going to require insurance for, basically. Exactly. So the one that I picked is the famous lion one, which I think is maybe the most famous of all I of them. I think so, yeah. yeah and yeah. basically it's a family driving through, like, a, I don't know, some kind of animal park, mm. and they see some lions, and then on the drive home they're singing, like, When the Lion Sleeps Tonight, and mm. then the car pans away, and or the camera pans away, and you can see that a lion has Jumped sat on, on the top car. of the roof of the yeah, car. Yeah. And then they pull into the garage, and the garage door closes. And then, yeah. it, and then there's like their little tagline, which is like, you can, what is it? You can Ava own? Appledorn, Bella. Yeah, yeah. Ava Appledorn, You Bella. can call Appledorn yeah. if uh, something yeah. bad's happened. Yeah. But, but the, the fun thing about these commercials is that, that they are really short movies. They are really nicely done and yeah. tells really tells a story. Mm. Uh, one I particularly li- also like is um, it's a guy who uh, who drives a, a concrete uh, truck and he, um, he, he um, I don't know, has a break or something. So he just decides to visit his wife. And when he uh, peeks through the window, he sees that his wife is hugging another man so he assumes that uh, his wife is cheating on him and there was also a very nice car parked in front of the house so he this guy assumes that this car is uh, is owned by the guy who is cheating with his wife so he starts pouring concrete into this brand new car and when he peeks uh, through the window again he sees that the guy she was hugging is holding a big check which says that uh, they won. They won the lottery. They won the car with the lottery. So yeah, that's, then you need insurance as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the one I like out of that series is a Dutch couple are on holiday in the Highlands of Scotland, and they're driving through, and uh, their car gets stuck in a herd of sheep, which is a very plausible <laughs> thing to happen in Scotland. <laughs> and the sheep are surrounding this car, and they can't move anywhere. And they see the farmer on the, standing on a rock, so they get out of the car and they walk up to him, um, and he starts gesturing towards them. But of course, they can't understand him because he's a Scottish Highland farmer. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the sheep all disperse, and they hear this big hooting sound and the car turns out to be parked right on the railway lines the train heading towards their car uh, and they're halfway up the slope yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and Ava, Ava Appledorn Bella yeah. Ava Appledorn Bella but yeah. all sort of like 150 of these are available on their YouTube channel and they're all very entertaining to watch and bonus you basically don't need to speak any Dutch to understand any no, of them no. they're like, some, are, some are even in English yeah so. some are in yeah. English um, there was also one that, that caused some international upheaval. yeah because there was one about uh, Bill Clinton and a, and a voodoo doll yeah. right and he did not uh, he did not appreciate apparently yeah. yeah well yeah so tell the tell the listeners Paul about like what this ad was about there was a guy that's that's walking uh, through a museum and there is a voodoo doll on display and um, well this guy looks around to see if there's anybody watching and he starts to play with this voodoo 
photo door, and um, um, then the, the 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 ad cuts to a speech by Bill Clinton, and it turns out that whenever this guy uh, pulls uh, an arm of this voodoo doll, the, the same movement happens to Bill Clinton's arm. So the Bill Clinton is connected to this voodoo doll, and then all of a sudden, um, this doll falls from from the stand. So he he grabs a, he grabs the doll, and there is a pin, and he impales the doll. But yeah, that is also happening to Bill Clinton, obviously. Mm. So apparently you can, can have insurance for that. I, so, I didn't know yeah. that. So, so, so did Bill Clinton say, go on the record and say, I did not impale? But there's a few other uh, sort of ads that maybe caused some op-hef. So maybe we can talk about the op ads. I'm thinking in particular of the Yumbo Picnic Max Verstappen op thing, which is, is that the grocery store chain uh, Yumbo uses Max Verstappen, who is this Formula One driver who Gordon is forever saying something about in the sports section of the mm-hmm. podcast that I'm forever not listening to. Yeah. And it's uh, it, some sort of, um, yeah, basically Im- implying that like you can get your do- gr- groceries very quickly. And Picnic, this sort of new grocery delivery startup, then used a guy who looked a lot like Max Verstappen ah. uh, mm. in their ads. And uh, it, Verstappen sued and won a bunch of money and they had to like stop playing the ad. Ah, really? But it was one of these sort of uh, Barbara Streisand effects things because it uh, because it put picnic in the news mm. a lot more people were paying attention to it and apparently picnics like yeah. subscription so it's actually good publicity out. for picnic even though they had to pay max for stuff and exactly uh, like 150,000 euros and also um the the endless controversy over the suit supply posters so suit supply is a dutch company that makes suits shockingly and they are known for having these very like sexually charged posters which um, get, sparked a lot of outcry, um, especially when it's when it's pictures. Typically, it's pictures of women and men, and you know, feminist organizations are very annoyed by the sexualization mm. of the women. And some of them are quite like explicit and very sort of objectifying. But then, Suit Supply, I don't know, a year or two ago. No, this year. Was it this year? Yeah. Oh wow. It's on the Ophef list. It feels so long ago. It does. Um, mm. They put out a series of ads with two men sort of interacting in a sexual way, and so then there was like the, all this Ophef about how this was like endorsing homosexuality and these posters got defaced and then it was you know turned into its own op-hef. so lots of lots yeah the op was mostly because these uh, uh, all these posters were destroyed or yeah. they were uh, they were kicked in or, or yeah. covered or with vandalized, with or defaced, vandalized yeah. or, and that was what the op was about yeah. yeah so but although those are those are all kinds of things i think that like happen a bit in in other countries that there's like sort of overly sexual sort of like advertising that, that kicks up a lot of controversy yes mm. so we were listening to the uh, Hema jingle but there is also another infamous the, jingle the more it? annoying the jingle, jingle I think yeah. which yeah. is the Crowdvat jingle so Crowdvat is the uh, drugstore sort of yes. thing and it yeah. has this it doesn't particularly have like a jingle but they have this sort of like sing song thing that they mm. put on at the end of their ads Um, and it's it is a strange tagline as we were mm-hmm. discussing because it it's surprising that it's cheap. I'm not really sure what the tagline means. Exactly. I think I think, think it's surprising. Uh, yeah. It's surprising how cheap it is. Um, yeah, it's supposed to be always, yeah, always surprising, always cheap. But I don't get it. it. Always comes across as I think. But why do I want to be surprised when I go down to the drugstore? Yeah. Yeah. If, I, if, but, if I want coffee mixture, that's just what I want. I don't want to be given yeah, cocaine. The tagline is "States for Rassen, all tied for Dalech," or which like sort of directly <laughs> translates to "still surprising, always cheap." Mm. So I think what they're trying to say is that like their quality or their selection is surprising. Mm. But, like, their stuff is still cheap. Like, their the states means over? over and over again. So it's over and over again surprising. Yeah. Yeah. So you're always, always surprised. Always yeah. surprised every time. And yeah. it's always in it's always in your favor for yeah. Dalek. So it's not just yeah. cheap, but actually, you know, yeah. advantageous. 
So not cheap in the sense of cheap and badly made or whatever. Right. But, you know, yeah, like a good, you, dis- you, a good you deal. A, you get a good deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, frequently voted to be one of the most annoying rads, or ads on the radio because it's this yeah. jingle yeah, is because so you obnoxious just and catchy. A hundred times a day. Yeah. yeah. And still people buy stuff at Kiteforth. All the time. All the time. Yeah. Because yeah. so, um, it's cheap. So speaking of things that have kind of become part of the cultural lexicon, I think I would argue that this ad is the most famous ad in the Netherlands. Which one? The Heineken uh, Hey Beertje ad. What do you think, Paul? I think so, yeah, as well. When this came out in 2002, it's really a long time ago, yeah. I have mm. to say. Uh, yeah, everybody was just yelling dead all the all time. All the time. Mm. Even though there was no beer involved, everybody was just yelling, yelling it all at, the yeah. time. And yeah, I still hear, like, colleagues or, like, people who are much younger than me who probably were not sort of really aware of this ad when it first came out will yell this sometimes if you're, like, yeah. going to a bar or if you Or if you walk into a room with a lot of people, you say, hey... Beer, yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a running running gag yeah. Yeah, in the Netherlands, yeah. Yeah, but ba- it's a Heineken ad, and it shows this sort of goat herder person who kind of, during the you know uh, sign of the first snowflake, turns into a suave mm. ski instructor, and he walks into kind of like a crowded ski lodge bar and yells, "Hey, Beercha," um, most to, to the light of the crowd. So yeah, it's a, but I think very it's, iconic. It's, yeah, it's very yeah. iconic. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. The, 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 another iconic one from slightly further back, I think, is the um, uh, the Rolo elephant. Oh yeah, you know, the Rolo a, elephant. That's yeah, also quite a, iconic. A, a very famous old uh, advert from that's from 1996, and I say yeah, was, was uh, you see a sort of old sepia toned. Uh, um, film of a young boy at the zoo and he holds out his, his, his roller it's the last roller in his pack and uh, he holds it out to an elephant and then snatched away at last minute and sticks his tongue out and then years later there's a parade going, there's a kind of carnival parade going through his town you see this middle aged guy in a sort of a um, uh, Pringle shirt or whatever and uh, in a tank top and uh, an elephant passes by and whacks him in the face in that kind of way of you know elephants never forget Yeah. 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 and he was, he was actually eating a roller yeah. he's, he's eating a roller, roller at the moment yeah. isn't it yeah, yeah and the, it's yeah. something about like who are you going to share your last Rolo yeah, with? Yeah, what do you do with your last Rolo? Yeah, because yeah. that was an advertising slogan in Britain as well for a oh, long time. Yeah? You know, well, yeah, well, I'm not familiar with What would you do with, with your last Rolo? Yeah. yeah. So I think the one other ad that I uh, has made it so far into the cultural lexicon is the uh, aura, the purple crocodile thing. Because yeah. It is absolutely quintessentially Dutch it's ad this, so isn't it? so quintessentially if, if, Dutch. If you watch this advert and you understand it, then you are very well inkabooted, Yeah, you're inkabooted. Yeah. Um, but basically it sort of shows, it's, a, it's also an insurance company, um, and it shows this like mother and daughter who have come to pick up like a, a it's a purple crocodile like a stuffed not a it's not a plushie it's, it's an inflatable, inflatable yeah. yeah um left at the that they left at the swimming pool and they're being given this like huge runaround by like this civil servant and mm. there's just like so much bureaucracy and stuff and you can always actually stand he can he sees you can see it standing and um it became like so quintessential that uh, Dutch bureaucracy became known as like a parsa crocodile, right? Yeah. yeah. Dutch bureaucracy came became known as a parsa crocodile, or like a purple crocodile. Hmm. And in fact, in 2006, the draft of legislation to cut bureaucratic nonsense was actually given the name like mm-hmm. purple crocodile. That's like how in the cultural lexicon this is. Yeah, because in the ad, she's given this form to fill in to get her crocodile back, which is actually sitting right next to the guy in the kiosk. And then she fills it in, and then he goes other side. And there's like another whole list of 20 yeah. questions you've got yeah. to answer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really, yeah. And there's also a sequel. Uh, yeah, on, that on, came on, out, I think, this year. 
there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we should link uh, to a video. Uh, yeah. Of that. Yeah, a, a number of these actually become have become so popular that they have English language subtitles. So if you go to the article, like even if you don't speak great Dutch, you can sort of see the mm. uh, see the, yeah kind of what they're saying and everything. So uh, what do you think, Gordon? What is uh, what is the difference between advertising like here versus in the UK? Do you guys have these like sort of cultural touchstone ads yeah i don't think there's a huge difference i think we have uh, very similar things or we have had certainly in the, in the past these kind of especially these kind of long-running series of adverts there was a famous series of adverts for hamlet cigars where the slogan was happiness is a cigar called hamlet and someone would always end up in some really unfortunate situation and then he'd light up a cigar and there was a uh, i think barks there on the g g string would strike up and that yeah. tune would immediately tell you this is a hamlet advert um, obviously, that had to end when cigarette c- cigarette advertising was yeah. banned, but th- th- those are very well known. Yeah. Um, mm. There was another one actually for for um, a brand of beer called Carling Black Label, where the slogan was "I bet he drinks Carling Black Label." There's always someone uh, performing some kind of preposterous feat. Yeah. Like there was a guy. The, the, the most famous one I think was um, was a takeoff of the Dambusters, the mm-hmm. movie. You know, the old black and white film where you got these planes flying in very low and then dropping these bouncing bombs to b- break open a dam. And there was a guy on the dam actually saving the bombs like a goalkeeper. <laughs> And pushing him away, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and at the end, the two pilots say to each other, "I bet he drinks Carling yeah, that label." Fair enough. Yeah. 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 And uh, how is it in the U.S.? Yeah, it's a bit the same in the U.S. Um, I mean, the U.S. You know, the 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 national sport of the U.S. is, of course, American football, and every year there is the Super Bowl, and a thing that people watch the Super Bowl for is the advertising. I mean, it's like the most watched television thing in the U.S., and because it's live, like you sort of see all these commercials. So lots of people like get together every year and they like really dissect all of the advertising that's in the in the Super Bowl ads. But yeah, there's there's a lot. I, I think there's there's quite a few like I probably very very famous ones. A number of them are like beer commercials. There was like the Budweiser frogs, which is the, the little frogs that went like what's up like i don't know it came out in like the early 2000s i think like that which was like quite popular and then of course everyone was running around like saying that to each other um and there's also this um sort of hilarious you know very quintessential american thing which is is that advertising is not always national in the u.s so like if you're watching a you know some television program um, you'll get some national ads, right, for, like, beer brands and stuff like this, but you'll also get, like, local ads, and, like, there's a lot of, like, lawyers and stuff, like, local small-town lawyers or, like, local small-town car dealerships that have these, like, crazy ads where there's just, like, some fast-talking guy in a suit, and, like, they usually have, like, a jingly kind of catch line with their, like, phone number, and those are always, like, if you ask people who, like, lived in a region during a period of time, they can all tell you, like, they can still quote the phone number for, like, the local used car dealership, (laughs) which is kind of sort of weirdly American, because most places don't have these kind of, the same, like, sort of regional differences in their television advertising. I think a big thing we have in the UK, which you don't hear, is is the Christmas ads. Yeah. You always have special adverts that come on at Christmas, and, and some of the big companies, like John Lewis, the department store chain, always has a special Christmas ad. Yeah. And it's almost like an event when this comes out. It's usually about the end of November and it's shown on the TV for the first time. Then everyone responds to it. Yeah. Um, and this year it was a really... I haven't actually seen this year's. Um, I haven't seen this very, year. The one from very, very one or two years ago yeah. with the moon thing was like, yeah. I'm not crying, you're crying. Kind <laughs> of so, so there's a yeah. new trend in the Netherlands I noticed this year. Um, it's, about, it's about Christmas commercials as well. And uh, apparently the theme for Christmas commercials nowadays is sad stories that makes you cry mm. so um, p- 
Plus Supermarket, Staatsloterij, all of them, uh, and, a, and a lot more they have uh, ads with, with quite a sad story about the mother that just died or a dog that ran away or something like that. Um, and I'm just like, what happened to the time when a Christmas commercial <laughs> was just a brightly, know, lit, yeah. Yeah. brightly lit truck that, that, that drives through the snow? Yeah. I know, but I think this is kind of, I think it's been imported a bit from Britain as well, because there's been a few of these sad Christmas um, commercials as well. There's a guy this year, famously, it went viral. It wasn't actually an advert, it was a guy who made his own YouTube film um, for, for, on a very low budget, and he was just sitting in his kitchen listening to some tapes and gradually as it goes on, you realize the tapes were recorded by his mother who died when he was a child, and she left this series of tapes behind for him to listen to every Christmas, and this is the last one when he's 30. Oh uh, so I think it's really, really sad, and I think, yeah, but I'm also on, <laughs> I'm on Facebook in groups of people who've just been bereaved or having their first Christmas without their partner. Thinking, oh I cannot God. watch this stuff anymore. No. Please stop. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, what, what do you think is the big differences in advertising between maybe in the Netherlands than in, like, other places? Like, do you guys have any sense of, like, what may be... Yeah, I don't don't really watch a lot of international yeah. TV, so yeah, I don't have really I, I a good sense of that. No, yeah, no. I I mean I think for me the biggest difference was like discovering that basically all ads all ads here are national ads because the country is so small that why wouldn't you? I mean, except for like in the local papers, you'll see like local advertising yeah. restaurants. Or if you go to local cinema as well. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But beyond that, like you know, everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television mm. is like a national. Everything thing. on national TV has the same commercials. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, no, you have in because in, 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 in um, uh, certainly yeah in the UK you don't have so much regional ads, but, but certainly Scotland has um, its own kind of advertising yeah. culture. So um, there's always again coming back to Christmas ads. There's always the advert for Iron Brew is a big event in Scotland. Yeah. Iron Brew being a, uh, a, a, a sort of orange fizzy drink oh, okay. that is uh, the, the big rival to uh, to Coca Cola in Scotland, and also. Um, what people outside Scotland don't appreciate is it's it's, it's one of the, the the world's best hangover cures, which is why it's such a popular drink. Because uh, <laughs> okay. yeah, it's, it's full of sugar. It's full so, of sugar. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I also think that like advertising here seems to touch on like weird. The, the Dutch seem to like like weird and awkward like comedy situations in a way that I don't think I see a whole lot of in like American advertising. I feel like American advertising is sort of quintessentially American in the sense that it's all about it's like... It's a phone number and what the guy's selling. Yeah. yeah, but it's also like the person that's being featured in the ad is usually like aspirationally someone that you want to be, yeah. right? That like, you know, this, there's this dose, this beard called Dos Equis that's like has this the most interesting man in the world kind of stuff. And it's mm, like, you know, all yeah. these like cool and amazing like this person is great look at these amazing things that they're doing yeah that's the thing the only time I watched advertising in the states it did come across to me as very earnest and yeah. straight laced and the person endorsing the product was really saying I'm great this product is great, great. you should go out and buy it yeah. and everyone seemed to take that sincerely whereas yeah. in, in, in Britain you'd have to do that ironically somehow yeah, yeah. you know yeah. You, here too <laughs> yeah. yeah but and here I, I think the one that really this the ad that always gets me is this like popsicle ad it's, all, it's in the list but basically it's like a family in a car and they're like oh. advertising these things but yeah. it's just like this sort of like the guy is like picking his nose I think at like one point and mm. this is just like not yeah they are waiting uh, in traffic for yeah. a traffic light yeah. and uh, the, the, the son is eating an ice cream um, in the back of the car and um, this ice cream has different colors so mm. when, you, when you when you keep yeah. licking it it, yeah. it, 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 gets it changes color, changes color. Yeah. yeah so uh, first he is uh, it is red his ice cream is red and then all of a sudden it turns green so he yells hey it's green and the father, who is uh, sitting behind the wheel picking his nose, assumes that he's talking about the, the traffic, traffic light, light, which is still red. Mm. So he starts uh, driving his car and uh, crashes into something. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and that just like sort of is not a way that you would advertise, I think, in America, which mm. I think is just kind of interesting. So I'm curious if the listeners have like favorite 
uh, ads from their own home countries or like thoughts about how advertising is different here. I would be, it'd be very curious to see, yeah. to, to hear what they have to say. So guys, what is your favorite Dutch ad? Do you have a favorite one? Uh, yeah, I think these, these that's, uh, I think the, the Central Beheer yeah. ones are the most, yeah, yeah. I, th- I like them most. I like yeah. the, pr- I think the Purple Crocodile might be my favorite. Yeah, I think I it's really funny. I like Central Beheer, but also the Rollo Elephant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, those are your favorites? Yeah. What, do you guys have ones that you hate, that are advertising that you like really dislike? From the top of my head, no. 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 One adver- advertising slogan that really grates I don't know, every time I listen to it is the advert for lease plan. Because the slogan for lease plan, which is a car hire company that does uh, lots of yeah. lease cars, is it's easier to lease plan. And just you listen to it, and, uh, and it's spoken in a Dutch accent. They try and make easier and lease rhyme, and they don't. And it just <laughs> drives me on the wall every single time. And I think you're a very big lease company. For 50 euros, I'll explain to you why your slogan doesn't work and suggest a better one for you. Yeah. Please. Just, just, just to stop this happening. Please get in, in touch with us. Also, if you guys just want to advertise on the podcast, that's also fine. We'll make Gordon read your horrible tagline. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, one of these things that's kind of funny about this is because there's so much so many Dutch people speak English and there's so much done in English that Dutch advertising is frequently done in English and yeah. it's also frequently done like extremely poorly because <laughs> well, it's you don't tell it's been written and produced by non-natives by and, non-natives and all you have to do is just run it past a native yeah. speaker just to check it works it probably does but once in a while it doesn't and it goes it, it looks horrible so the yeah. uh, uh, the TU Delft uh, organization on campus that runs the sports and like sports halls and stuff they, they did a rebranding this year Um, and their tagline is now uh, explore yourself, which in <laughs> English, thank you, Gordon, is like a euphemism for masturbation. And not just any euphemism for <laughs> masturbation. It's like what parents would say to small children if they're like <laughs> touching themselves in public. And you you would say like, you know, no, Susie, like you can only explore yourself at home, like in private. Right. Yeah. And. I mean, it's a fine, it's grammatically correct. I, this was, they paid a lot of money to a Dutch advertising agency to yeah. come up with this. But I, I think I'm, f- I'm frequently sort of amused by some of the, like, yeah, advertising slogans that Dutch companies come up with that just, like, make no. Also, I mean, I do think it's kind of funny that there's a big national bank chain here that's name is Rabobank. Like, Ra- Rabobank. Yeah, like, yeah. Rabobank. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's quite a few of these that you see. <laughs> I've never realized that. Yeah, yeah the, exactly, the, the, because yeah. you don't think about it like yeah, in, that no. in, in the, the, Dutch. The, there's a bed store chain called uh, the Bedvator. Which yeah. almost looks like bedwetter. Yeah. yeah there's a there's a time. there's a trainer shop in Delft called Athlete's Foot, which is what we call like I don't know actually know what yeah, this is in Dutch. It's a skin condition. It's a skin yeah. like it's like a foot fungus skin condition that you get from like dirty mm. shower rooms. It's called okay. Athlete's Foot. And oh, here it says Remus Exame. Oh yeah. It's yeah. So, so this it's called Athlete's Foot, which I also think is funny. Or like the chain Sissy Boy. Like the first couple of times <laughs> I saw that, I was like, what? Who is? What is that? Like I don't understand in any way. Like why you have called yourself this. You're like, you know, a lovely sort of bougie department story kind of thing that I quite like. So why is your name fucking Sissy Boy? I don't get it. Yeah. Um, It's a mystery. So you have a hated ad. Paul, you don't have one? No, not, no, I can't. I think come up with one, no. I think I'm gonna go with the is it Media Marked that has those really screamy ads yeah. on the radio? Yeah. I yeah. think yeah. those are my least favorite. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been gek. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. You know, those you know who was the yeah. voiceover for this? No. Arjen Lubach. What really? Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I'll tell you what does annoy me. The adverts for Tui. I don't know who does the voice oh, for that, yeah, but he, yeah, should have, yeah. he should have his voice box removed. It just, yeah. There's something really grating about his tone. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. When I think of American advertisements, I think about the media market commercials yeah. because they're, they're very screaming like and they're yeah. very... Mm. For the, all the, all the discounts is in your face. Yeah. yeah. I also dislike... I mean, I don't like the suit supply ads, but I think even more than that, I dislike the radio... 
is it five three ox? What is? Oh, it? could be. Yeah, I don't know. They, they also tend to do these like very weirdly sexually charged ads, but oh, they're yeah. not like yeah. the like the print ones that they put oh, up in the bus yeah, stops yeah. and stuff. But unlike the suit supply ones, which like. I mean, I guess, like, people in these suits look sexy, and that's how they're selling their suits. I There is, like, a, just a total disconnect between, like, listening to this radio station. Yeah. And they're also, like, kind of weird and strange. So, like, you know, it's like a naked girl holding a chicken or, like, a naked dude with, like, a robot head. And I'm like, not only is it, like, weird and objectifying, but they're also just, like, weird and strange and have nothing to do with listening to the goddamn radio. Okay. Well, that was a fun, uh, lighthearted <laughs> a fun discussion. discussion. Well, yeah. yeah. So that's all that we have for you this week. This is our last podcast before the end of the year. We will be back on January the 10th um, to start off the new year, and we will be discussing what our favorite all pefs of 2018 were. So please, please, please mm. send us in um, your favorite all pefs and why you liked them. Yeah. Uh, whether or not it was an all pef that we featured on the podcast does not matter. Just send them to us. You can email it at podcast at dutchnews.nl, or you yep. can drop it to uh, us on Twitter at dutchnewsnl is the Dutch News. Twitter handle, or if you're following any of us individually, feels free to send them. Just send them to Paul. Just send it to me. Just send it to Paul. Yeah. yeah. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can send comments, compliments, and abuse to podcast at dutchnews.nl or directly to Paul on Twitter. Uh, my thanks to Paul Paters, Gordon, and Gordon Derrick. My thanks to Paul Paters and Gordon Derrick. I'm Molly Quell, and we'll be back. Next year. Next year. Yes. Next yeah. year. Happy yeah. Christmas. Happy yeah. Christmas. And a good New Year. <laughs> Fijne feestdagen. Fijne feestdagen. Ja, feestdagen. Yeah, feestdagen. Yeah, feestdagen. Yeah, feestdagen.